Amen. Please be seated. Let's open our Bibles together to the book of Romans, chapter 9. Romans, chapter 9. And I'm going to read and preach verses 24 through 29 this morning. Paul has just mentioned the fact that God is the potter and we are the clay. And God has formed some people to be vessels of mercy Even though we all deserve to be vessels of wrath, he has made some to be vessels of mercy, vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. And as believers, each of us cries with thankful tongue, Lord, why was I a guest? As we sing, why am I a vessel of mercy since I know what I deserve because of my sins? But God has made some to be vessels of mercy, and what Paul does in these verses before us this morning is he talks about who those vessels of mercy are. They include both Jews and Gentiles, not only Jews, but also Gentiles. And in fact, there are many Gentiles, but only a remnant of Jews. But it is all by his amazing grace, and we're gonna look at that together and see what we can glean from it with God's help. So let's pray for his help And then we'll begin. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your sovereign mercy and for the fact that we are recipients of your mercy. We deserve to be vessels of wrath, but you have made us vessels of mercy. And we pray that as we look at these verses together that you would open our eyes to the truths you've revealed to us by them. And sanctify us by them as we receive them in faith. Help us to understand these truths and to see the importance of them. And most of all, help us to see how amazing your grace to us really is. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 9, I'll start at verse 23 so we can get a running start. And I'll read down through verse 29. This is the word of God. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. As you can see in your sermon notes, we're going to talk first about Jews and Gentiles in verse 24, then many Gentiles, verses 25 and 26, 
And finally, a remnant of Jews in verses 27 through 29. So first, Jews and Gentiles. Again, Paul's just mentioned vessels of mercy in the previous verse. And now he's talking about who those vessels of mercy are. Look again at verse 24. Even us, whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So who are the vessels of mercy? They include both Jews and Gentiles, those whom God has called effectually to himself in salvation. This was always God's plan, to call not only Jews, but also Gentiles. Think of the promise he made to Abram all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Not just the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth. Or as Paul said in Galatians 3, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. The vessels of mercy prepared beforehand for glory Those whom God calls effectually to himself in salvation include not only Jews, but also Gentiles. Romans 3, 29 and 30. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. God doesn't make just one kind of vessel of mercy. He makes all kinds of vessels of mercy. God calls all kinds of people out of the world and into the church. He saves people from every tribe and language and nation under heaven. And he brings them all together into one us Notice Paul says, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So as Christians, as those who've been called by God, we have brothers and sisters in Christ among ethnic Jews and among ethnic Jamaicans. We have brothers and sisters in churches in central Pennsylvania and in central Africa. We share a common faith in Christ with Christians in the UK And in the Ukraine, we are vessels of mercy along with believers in Brazil and in Bangladesh. Together, we have been called by God, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Two implications of this, two ways we can connect the dots between these truths and the way we live. Number one, in light of this, we should seek to be world Christians not worldly Christians, but world Christians. That is, we should seek to be mindful of and praying for the church all around the world. We don't serve a local deity. We serve a global God. Our God has vessels of mercy in every country. He calls people from every tribe and language and nation. The extended family that we are a part of extends all around the world. So we should seek to be mindful of and praying for our fellow family members. Perhaps you're already doing this, and if so, keep it up. 
But if not, here are a few ideas. You could start with the missionaries that we support as a local church. They're listed on the back of the bulletin. You can find more information about them at the missions board in the narthex. Or you can make use of websites like Voice of the Martyrs, where you can find out how to pray for the persecuted church, Voice of the Martyrs. Or there's printed material like Operation World that can help you to pray for the church in different countries. Reading good missionary biographies can grow in your heart an interest in the work of the gospel in foreign lands. You can pick up on things in the pastoral prayer or at prayer meeting that go beyond our borders. Here's a question. If you took your prayers over the last month and you mapped them out, you put a pin in each location that was the focus of one of your prayers, and then you zoomed out, I wonder, what would that map look like? I imagine we all might wish there were more pins in the map. I know I do for myself, especially in parts of the map that don't have any. But with God's help, we can be world Christians, mindful of and praying for the church around the world. Second implication, we should seek and pray for greater diversity here in our own church. Now, I know the word diversity is kind of a loaded term, but I mean to say that if God has called and is calling people to himself, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, from every tribe and language and nation, we should seek and pray for a greater reflection of that in our own local church. Not in a way that is forced or just trying to artificially meet some sort of quota, but we should pray and seek for greater diversity here at CRPC, at least a diversity that corresponds to the diversity of the surrounding community. We are quite diverse in some ways, but only slightly diverse in other ways. And we can trust God's providence in terms of the makeup of our congregation, to be sure, and who God sovereignly brings to our church. But at the same time, I do think we can find ways to grow in this particular area. Church should not be a place where everyone is like you. Church should be a place where everyone is like Christ, where the family resemblance is not an outward appearance, but inward character, where what unites us is not ethnicity or politics or socioeconomic standing, but the fact that by the grace of God, we are vessels of mercy, and by the effectual call of God, we are now together in one body. So let's seek and pray for greater diversity here in our own church. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Paul then shows that this was promised in the Old Testament. And first he focuses on the Gentiles. So let's look at that now under our second main point, many Gentiles. Look at verse 25. As indeed he says in Hosea, and he's going to quote from Hosea chapter 2 and then Hosea chapter 1, and just notice that Paul appeals to Scripture, which at the time was the Old Testament. So how do we know that God has included the Gentiles as vessels of mercy? Because the Bible tells us so. He cites the minor prophet Hosea and shows that these promises 
are being fulfilled. And this is a beautiful passage, one that really highlights the tender mercy of our God. Verse 25, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. That's the first thing highlighted here. The Gentiles, those who were not God's covenant people, God says he will call my people. He will save them and call them his covenant people. This is what's happened to us if we are in Christ. By nature, we are not God's people. By nature, we are sinners. We are rebels against the king. We're on the opposing team. We're on the opposite side of the battlefield. But God has taken us who were not his people and he has made us his people. He has called us and regenerated us and justified us and adopted us as his own. Like a king taking some of his enemies who were fighting against him on the battlefield and transforming them and making them citizens of his own kingdom, even members of his own royal family. I will be your God and you will be my people is a promise that is woven through all the pages of the Bible. And it is a promise that is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. There's no greater honor, no higher privilege, no deeper joy than being one of God's people by grace through faith in Christ. The second thing in this citation, second half of verse 25, and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. By nature, we are not lovely people. We are not lovable people. We are sinful people. We are not attractive to God or worthy of God's love. We were not beloved by God, but now through the gospel, God calls us beloved. We are loved by God himself. As Paul said at the beginning of this letter, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Often we spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, trying to get others to love us. But if we have the love of God, we have all. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, Ephesians 5 says, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ is our bridegroom, and he loves us, his bride. He will never be unfaithful to us. Even when we are unfaithful to him, he will love us. He will call us beloved. Third, verse 26 
And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. In the very place is not, it seems, referring to a single place like Jerusalem. Rather, it's referring to every place around the world where God calls people to himself. So this is a great missions text. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. So in the remote villages of Papua New Guinea, there those who were not God's people will be called sons of the living God. In the urban centers of China, there they will be called sons of the living God. In the mountains of Tibet, there they will be called sons of the living God. On the islands of the South Sea, there they will be called sons of the living God. By nature, we are children of wrath, not children of God. By nature, we are sons of the devil, not sons of God. But by grace through faith, we become children of God. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 1 verse 12. Earlier in this letter, Romans eight fourteen, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Galatians three twenty six. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What should we do with these truths? Two things. First, we should take the gospel to the world. If God's plan is to call people to himself in salvation, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, and if his plan is to save people from every tribe and language and nation, then we should take the gospel to people in every tribe and language and nation. Because it is through our gospel proclamation that God calls people to himself. It is through the external call of the gospel that God gives the internal call of the Spirit. All around the world, There are those who are not God's people, who will become God's people, who God plans to call my people. All around the world, there are those who are not beloved, who God plans to call beloved. In every place where there are people who are not God's people, there some of them will be called Sons of the living God. 
So we should take the gospel to them. We should spread the word to them. Some of us should go. Some of us should send. Some of us should jump in and some should hold the rope. But all of us should be involved. All of us can be involved in taking the gospel to the world. We go in faith, our own great weakness feeling like we just sang, and needing more each day thy grace to know. Yet from our hearts a song of triumph pealing. We rest on thee, and in thy name we go. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. Second thing we should do with these truths uh, closer to home, we should face our circumstances with faith in God. We are God's people. God himself is our God. We are beloved, loved by God, the bride of Christ. And we are sons of the living God, children of our heavenly father. And since all that is true, we can face any circumstance with faith in our God, bearing good fruit in the midst of our circumstance. If we're facing trials and tribulations, we can face them as those who are God's people, as those who have God as our God, our refuge, our strength, our very present help in trouble. If we're facing discouraging or challenging circumstances, We can face them as those who are beloved by God, loved by God. The love of God can shine into the darkness of our circumstances and give us light and hope and give us faith to carry on in those circumstances. If we're experiencing joyful, happy circumstances, we can experience them as sons of the living God, not as sons of the world whose hope is all wrapped up in the world, but as sons of the living God, whose hope is all in God. And we can enjoy his gifts in a way that honors him, the giver, as opposed to worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. So no matter what our circumstances are, since we are God's people, God's beloved, and God's children, we can face those circumstances with faith in our God, bearing good fruit in the midst of those circumstances. So God has prepared vessels of mercy from every tribe and language and nation, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. And Paul's focused in verses 25 and 26 on the Gentiles. Now he turns to focus on the Jews and on the fact that only a remnant of Jews will be saved. Our third main point. Look at verse 27. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. Paul's quoting from Isaiah, and he says that Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. That is, he proclaims and declares and heralds this important word regarding Israel. And he says that even though the number of the sons of Israel is as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. 
as God had promised, the physical descendants of Abraham will be as the sand of the sea. So kids, you can imagine for a moment, if you were to scoop up a handful of sand when you were at the beach, imagine how long it would take for you to count all those little grains of sand in your hand. It would probably take you all afternoon and you might get a sunburn in the process. But after you counted them all up, let's say maybe there was a thousand grains of sand, 1,000 grains. Still, that would just be your one little handful, right? And think of how many handfuls of sand there are on the whole beach. So when God says to Abraham that his descendants are going to be as the sand of the sea, it's a way of saying you're going to have a lot of descendants. But only a remnant of them will be saved. Remember what we learned back in verses 6 through 8. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. And then it says in our verse that the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. Ultimately, his sentence of judgment on all those who do not repent of their sin and look to him in faith. So even if someone is a son of Israel physically, if they don't repent and believe in the Messiah, they are not a son of Israel spiritually. And they are not part of the remnant if they do not believe in the Messiah. The Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. It's a very sobering word. That's why each of us needs to make sure we've put our faith in Christ alone for our salvation. Just like in Noah's day when the flood was coming, people needed to get into the ark. If you're not in the ark of Christ, when the flood of God's final judgment comes, you will perish eternally. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. So make sure you have believed in Christ for your salvation. Then Paul says in verse 29, And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of their sins against God. God judged them. The judge of all the earth did what was just. But that's what we all deserve. We all deserve God's judgment. And if the Lord of hosts hadn't made us his offspring, that's what we would receive. There but for the grace of God go I, as the Puritan John Bradford put it. By the grace of God I am what I am as the Apostle Paul put it. There are many sons of Israel, but only a remnant will be saved. And the Lord of hosts will see to it that that happens. I think there's two ways that these truths should press on our own hearts. Let me mention them and then we'll draw to a close. First, don't presume on your external privileges. 
Don't presume on your external privileges. Rather, put your trust in Jesus Christ personally for the salvation you need. Don't assume that just because you're born into a Christian family, you're good to go with God. It is essential that you put your own faith in Christ for your own salvation, which God can enable you to do if you look to him and ask him for help. Don't assume that just because you're a member of this church, you've been baptized, you take communion, you tithe, you're here on every Sunday, and so on. Don't presume on those external things and assume that because you have them, you are right with God. That's what many of the Israelites did, but only a remnant of them were truly saved. We can't look good on the outside, but be rotten on the inside. If an apple was like that, you would throw it away, cast it aside. We need to sincerely trust in the Lord, in our hearts, on the inside. So we pray with David in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Don't rely on your external privileges. Put your trust in Christ. Rely on Christ alone. Second, and finally, praise God for his amazing grace. If it weren't for the Lord of hosts and what he has done for us, we would be judged like Sodom and Gomorrah for our many sins. But God in his great mercy has made us vessels of mercy. God has called us to himself in salvation. He has called us his people. He has called us beloved. He has adopted us as sons of the living God. And it's all by his amazing grace. It's not because of anything in us. It's because of everything in him. It was his grace that taught our hearts to fear, to fear his judgment because of our sin. And it was his grace our fears relieved through the gospel, through the work of Christ. It's his grace that has brought us safe thus far, his empowering grace, his preserving grace. And it's his grace that will lead us home. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for making vessels of mercy, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, from every tribe and language and nation. Help us to soak that in this morning and to be world Christians. We pray for greater diversity here in our own church, diversity created by the gospel. Give us a heart to take the gospel to the world. Help us to face our circumstances with faith in you and bearing good fruit in them. Guard us from presuming on our external privileges. Help us to praise you for your amazing grace. For we know that it's only by your grace that we are what we are. Vessels of mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a minute during the meditation on the word to think and pray about what we've heard, and then we'll sing together.